0: Hi everyone, this is Aniket. Welcome to another episode of A Little Life, a podcast where I explore the lives, careers and minds of interesting 20 and 30 year olds from around the world. This podcast is designed for anyone on the path of building a meaningful life for themselves. My guest today is Anshul Kamath, an old friend of mine. And today's focus is on mindfulness and self-awareness. Now, there's a chance that some of you listeners would have rolled your eyes on hearing that. Mindfulness is a tricky topic to touch on because of people's perceptions and the fact that some of you might have some prior experience with meditation, some might not. What I would say is that not only is mindfulness highly relevant because it's all about managing our own emotions and decluttering the mind, but it's also a growing market, and that's something we get into as well. A bit of background Anshul was working a finance role in the London office of one of the world's largest oil and gas companies, and is now on the brink of launching his own meditation and mindfulness app, Evolve. So we do touch on things like quitting the rat race, but there's also some suggestions that we can start incorporating into our lives today. So, without further ado, I give you Anshul Kamal. I hope you enjoy. Man, thank you so much for doing this. Great to Thanks, chat. Thanks, you. you? This
1: is like a really good initiative by you as well. So, I'm happy to contribute and be a part of it.
0: Um, I thought we could begin by giving listeners a bit of context and a little bit of backstory. Sure. Um, so, could you start with basically, um, your, your time in London and how you came about leaving and moving back to India.
1: Yeah, so as you know, in, in London, I was working for, for Shell um, and I was really excited about it because when I was graduating, Shell was actually the largest company in the world by revenue that year. So it was, it was quite nice to get into a good financial grad program. And yeah, I had three amazing years at Shell. And um, when I was there, you know, it was all about, okay, how do I climb up, you know, go to that next job grade, slowly move my way up to a VP or EVP someday. Um, And that's typically how my life was, you know, a typical nine to five grade work-life balance, um, but very one-track corporate mind. Um, And then about, I think it was August 2016, around that time, my visa was due to be renewed in about two or three months. And you know how HR, these large companies are, right? They're, they're really slow. They take their yeah. time to process things. And they assured me it would be done. And of course, Shell, Shell is a great company that way. But for some reason, at the back of my, my mind, I just started thinking, okay, what, what if my visa doesn't get renewed? Or, you know, what if they don't make it in time? What's going to happen to me then? And suddenly that just set off a completely different train of thought for me. Um, I began to actually just write down what my plan B would be. Um, And my plan B was, okay, I need to move back to India because you know I can't legally then stay in the u k. Um, and I started thinking of all the cool things I could do, like, you know, just go around the country, observe startups, shadow people, learn more about different industries I cared about. And the more I kind of explored that plan, the more I realized, why shouldn't this be my plan A? Um, and so it was a matter of about two months when I just started rewiring my own my own mind, right? suddenly, Thoughts that I'd never thought about or parts that I'd never even considered suddenly started appearing to me. And that's when I decided, okay, there's there's something I need to explore. Here. So what I then did was I, I started journaling a lot. You know, I started introspecting, started kind of really putting down the thoughts in my mind. So one of the exercises that really helped me, and um, this is something much later I realized a lot of coaches also do with people, is I started listing down over the last three years at Shell what had made me actually happy and excited, right? So okay. out of all the things I'd done there, what were those projects or those moments that I still cared about or felt passionate about? And um,
0: what, what made you do that? Like, what put that thought in your head?
1: Because I suddenly, when I was, when I was thinking about my plan B and um, you know, coming to India and exploring all this stuff and going down a different path, it was like, okay, how, you know, I need to have some guiding direction or what do I actually care about? Um, and it, it just hit me like, you know, let, let me look at the moments that have made me happy and see what, see what those moments are. And it was so interesting that when I actually did that exercise, I found out that the moments that mattered to me were when I was creating something new, when I was, you know, stretching myself and when I was helping people. Um, and suddenly it struck me that whether I'm doing this here or I'm doing this in a startup or anywhere else, it doesn't matter as long as these elements are with me, I'm probably going to be happy and content. Sure. But can
0: I actually just challenge you over there for a second? Um, You know, like the way you said, moving up the corporate ladder, and this is something that I relate to also a lot, is because, I mean, when I was at Accenture, I loved that I was good at my job. You Mm -hmm. know, like, it. I don't know whether it's like our Indian education system or the fact of like our undergraduate studies, but, the work didn't seem very hard and we were moving up the corporate ladder and that seemed like the thing to do. And that could also be because that's the way the system works. You know, the corporate system. You're supposed to want those things. And then taking that to your personal exercise of kind of knowing yourself, um, there's a risk of this becoming another story that we tell ourselves. Like, oh, I want to make impact or I want to create something. You know, what's the, how did you know that that was, that's what actually brought you joy? Like, was that a story that you were telling yourself? Is that something that you kind of reframed in your mind of the way you experienced those projects, you know, at Shell? How do you even know what you were thinking at that time was authentic or not?
1: Sure. So, yeah, there's. I mean, one of the things I will still say is that there's there's never a right or wrong and, you know, the grass will always seem green on the other side. So um, no matter where you are, there's always that fallacy that, oh my God, I'm actually not, um, you know, going down this authentic path. And, you know, obviously authenticity is now a buzzword. And if I ask you right now to just look back at the last year um, and what are the top experiences that come to your mind?
0: Yeah, I mean, my favorite ones are like, everyone just laughing on a zoom call.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's more about, you know, those having happy people around you or, or making sure the people around you are happy. Now, um, So whether you're doing that at an Accenture in London or with a small group of friends, here or, or, you know, in the startup that you're at, um, that's the element that actually brings you joy right now. Elements like your, your paycheck and all of that bring you pride. And it's more about your um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to put this, but you know, um, abiding by what you've learned all along the way, right? So yeah. it's kind of validation for you that, okay, after my schooling system or after my undergrad, this is, it's validation that, okay, I'm going down that path I was expected to. Correct. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of looked at my, my boss's boss and just told myself, do I want to be there in 40 years? The answer was no. Do I see myself in the UK in the long run? The answer was no. So if the answer to those two questions is no, and this that life was only, you know, taking me up that path. The logical answer then meant, you know, just let's step back and and see what else is there.
0: Yeah, in that sort of framing, it becomes a no-brainer.
1: But it, it depends, right? There are certain people who who don't like uncertainty. Um and again, it's you know, different people are motivated by different things. So it's there's no right or wrong.
0: Okay, fair. Yeah.
1: What happened next? So what happened next was I, I ended up coming back to India. And um, yeah, it was, you know, now, now what do I do? So there was this whole thing, should I take a gap here should I just travel? Um, should I join a startup? Should I try my own thing? There was, there was all these questions, you know? Um, and the first thing I did was, yeah, I started talking to a few people whose contacts I had, and I ended up meeting this company called Shortlist. Um, and Shortlist was a really small team. So they were based in India and Kenya, a startup at that time, and they were trying to change the way recruitment is done in emerging markets. But more than that, the, you know, the people I met there were amazing because they had all actually, um, you know, there were some Harvard grads, Yale, um, some top colleges, there were ex-Bain consultants, people who'd work for Deloitte, EY in the US, law firms, and all of them had so, you know, so, somehow ended up in this one place in India, and a lot of them were expats uh, trying to solve this problem. So um, although I met a few other people, I suddenly felt that this bunch of people I can really click with because you know they've had similar experiences there. It seems like their value systems are very similar, having abandoned sort of the big corporate life to do something more adventurous and exciting. And, Uh, I remember when I had an interview with the CEO, um, I asked him because his story was, you know, pretty fascinating that he was a corporate lawyer who quit his, you know, six or seven figure job in the U S to come and work for a microfinance startup in India in his twenties for zero money or very little money. And then he went, started his own VC firm in FinTech, and then, you know, came to India and was doing this. And he actually said that, um, the reason he did this was because, you know, He knew he would still have food on his plate and a roof over his head, but this life would give him more exciting stories eventually. Um, So that's when I knew, okay, I'm I'm in the right place. You know, people are thinking along similar lines. So I joined shortlist, but I also traveled a bit. So I, um, one of the things I cherished the most was, you know, I used to backpack a lot around Europe and I started backpacking around India and I also learned scuba diving during that time. So um, I went and did a week of diving in, in Thailand. And I don't know if you've done diving, but diving is like the epitome of mindfulness and just being in the moment. Because um, you can't talk, you can't do anything. You just have to breathe and observe all this. Yeah. This beautiful life around. So yeah, I still continue to you know, go on diving holidays when I can. Oh, Awesome. Um, but d- d- yeah, so diving was a good, a good hobby. But largely when I came back, it was about, you know, how do I find people that I can connect with? Hmm. uh, people who've taken similar decisions. And yeah, when I, when I came across shortlist, that felt like the right team and right place to join.
0: Amazing. Uh, I'd like to actually focus for a bit on that point, because Hmm. this is, this almost feels like a black box, you know, like from the point of taking the decision to, I need to speak to people to sitting in an interview. There's a lot of, um, thinking and acting that comes Within that, so it's like okay, I want to speak to some people. Who do I need to speak to, and what questions mm-hmm. do I want to ask them? That becomes almost like a um, how do I put it, like a barrier to move forward, and that becomes mm-hmm. like a repetitive loop saying, I'm not moving out of my comfort zone until I have the right answers from the right people. But yeah, that itself becomes like a, a difficult step. So, do you have any? Uh, were you following any thought process? Did you have any list of people who were being introduced to you? Did you have any criteria for people you were speaking to? Like, what was that process like?
1: So, um, this is probably a good time to touch on this. But one of the things I've learned since I decided to, you know, quit my job in London and now it's been for three and a half years, is actually experiencing serendipity, um, and. I I still don't you know know whether to believe things or or not, but there have been some amazing coincidences and things that are that have just fallen in place. And I've spoken to a lot of people who've you know tried to take this risk, and uh, well, in hindsight, it's it's less of a risk if you minimize it. But um, you speak to most people who've done something like this, or you know, it's, and things start to fall in place, um, whether it's a function of you know you making yourself or you pushing yourself harder. Or the fact that, you know, we overthink so much that, oh my God, if I, if I don't, if I let go of what I've got, nothing else will come my way, whether it's you know, in relationships yeah, yeah. or uh, in, in anything, right? But the point is in, in those moments, you're, there's one part of your brain, the amygdala is on overdrive. And the moment your amygdala calms down and, you know, you can start thinking with a rational mind again, mm. you start realizing, okay, there's, you know, it's not so bad. There's so many things that I can do. Um, in my case, yeah, so what I did was I I actually met one of the shortlist co-founders, brother in London, before I left. Again, very strangely, and, you know, it turned out to be a very a random series of events that got me to shortlist. But what I also did was I started a blog of my own at that time called Great to Awesome. And I started a small podcast as well, um, where I was just trying to write out my own philosophy, my thoughts, and just try and connect with people who... Embody that, so within about four or five months of coming back I'd, I'd got a small tribe of people um, who you know were either thinking of or who had quit jobs abroad and say come back to India and were you know were, were trying to do different things on their own um, and one of the things I realized is that you know when I moved back to India um, or or generally when anyone's sort of leaving their comfort zone, the people you speak to are are very important right so the kind of conversations you have can influence you a lot um so for example you know if if say you're you're in a big corporate job and you're surrounded by people who are living and breathing that philosophy that that's the only path to success yeah suddenly when you leave and you're talking to those same people it's very easy to suddenly get disillusioned again because you're you're surrounding yourself with the same people who are you know, with the same philosophy as before. Yeah. Whereas if you slowly start having conversations with others who maybe, you know, can encourage you or also have done the same thing or have shared experiences, then automatically you're, you're getting that validation. So that same validation you would get in a corporate, the fact that you're getting a promotion in a corporate and wow, I'm so validated because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's conforming to my beliefs and all those around me. And I can look good in a pub when I'm ordering the next drink. Yeah. Um, that that same thing sort of happens when you're, you know, you're surrounding yourself with people um, who are talking slightly differently. Sure. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, so now you we've gone past shortlist, and you were there for how long? Like I was great- there for
1: about one and a half years, or yeah, a little more than one and a half years. Okay.
0: And at the same time, you were working on great to awesome.
1: Yeah. So great to awesome was more of a blog, and uh, it was you know when I when I left London, I it was one of those things where um, I was reading a couple of books that really influenced me, and you know, it was one of the things I'd read was "Create, Don't Consume." So that, that's why I created a great awesome put out my first blog before I left London, and it was also yeah. one of these things where it was for my colleagues in London to you know keep uh, keep in touch with me and sort of follow my journey. Sure. Um, but what again with serendipity? What tended to happen was um, suddenly about six months after starting that we. I again like I said I mean I I started to get a small tribe of people around me and um, there was someone um, his name is Ben and you know he he's a former Bain consultant from London and he was with me at shortlist Um, and together we realized that let's actually start workshops as well so one one weekend on a Saturday we we put together some stuff couple of modules and we we call it beers and careers okay so it was you know how do you actually uh, find a career of purpose and authenticity at that? So at, at that time, the, the first thing we started off was, you know, with, with some knowledge that we had. So we put together a couple of modules on finding your Ikigai and something called the Wheel of Life. Um, so we down. actually did those two modules for, for people. Um, you want me to elaborate on those, those modules or? Yeah, just
0: what they were. Like Ikigai is a, almost like a buzzword now.
1: Ikigai, I, I know actually since, since we started that and now I, every bookshelf, every bookstore I go to has these Ikigai exactly. books. Exactly. Um, yeah, and th- those guys have done a great job marketing themselves. But Ikigai is just, you know, it's this Japanese philosophy about always having a purpose in life. Um, and studies have shown that, you know, one of the reasons why Japanese people live longer is of course their diet, but they also seem to have a very strong sense of purpose. Ikigai is a confluence of four things. So one is what you're good at. Mm-hmm uh what you can get paid for mm-hmm. um what the world needs and um, what you love what what you love doing yeah um yeah and and so what 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 we did there was kind of you know just helping people like i talked about journaling prompts earlier um helping people journal in a very structured way think about those moments have them find out what they're good at what they love um, the world pretty much needs everything but finding that confluence between what you love, what you're good at, what you can get paid for, um, and and it's not about transitioning overnight. So none of these things are about. It's about having that vision for yourself, or you know, having some goalpost. And then yes, the next step is then how do you take that first baby step, or you know, those small micro habits and micro steps that can take you there. Hmm. But a lot of people don't pause and even think about okay, what is that goalpost for me? Right. So this is what those workshops are meant to do, and Wheel of Life is another exercise where we actually put an online version up as well um, on the great awesome site. But essentially, it's like it's like drawing a sort of chart of your life. So you you think of what, what are the six or eight areas that are most important to you, right? So for, for most people, career, relationships, family, um, finances. This is so, what's
0: supposed to be most important to people as well, right?
1: Yeah, and... For, for almost everyone it is. So, um, I mean, we've done the wheel of life now for at least about 800, 900 people, sure. including between, you know, in person and also virtually. Um, yeah, so these tend to be standard things, but people's lives are very imbalanced. Um, so what tends to happen is we're so over-focused on our career that we forget our health, right? Or we forget about um, our relationships or, you know, things like that. Yeah. So the wheel of life is really to give people a visual perspective on what balance in their life looks like. Mm. Um, and again, you know, your life can be intentionally imbalanced, which is completely fine yeah. as long as it's intentional. So you can say that yes, for the next say six months or a year, I know I'm going to sacrifice my health for my career, and if you're fine with it, that's completely okay, yeah. right? But at least, at least you're taking an informed decision, and you're slightly more in control over your life than you know just going with the flow. Sure. Um, so yeah, so we started our first workshop with these two modules, and and that just opened up a completely different journey. So from that first workshop with about 15 people, fast forward to about one, one and a half years later, we had done workshops for about 500 people, wow. uh, five or okay. 600 people invited to different cities in India to do workshops. Um, so it, it suddenly became a really interesting journey. And along the way with, you know, with people like Ben, I also got to collaborate with some really interesting life coaches, design thinkers, psychologists. Um people who kind of are you know know the brain and how the body works and so suddenly we were coming up with some really cool content um and just going and delivering it to you know people both in corporates and in person so this was all a passion project and then when it reached that stage of about 500 people mm. uh, that's when i realized okay there's something here and i need to you know move into this now full time and explore what's over here
0: and what what was the time period between having moved back and the point where you realized oh we've hit 500 people now
1: it was about two years um, wow, okay yeah but those two years were you know this was more of a passion project so i would do it on yeah. weekends or so two years mid- one
0: while you were still at uh, shortlist as well
1: most of it overlapped with shortlist yes okay
0: and fair so this this actually leads me to one question that i wanted to ask is but was there any point where where you had a lot of self doubt like
1: so there's there's something called um so there's a module that we we do with you know in our workshops and um of course now we're building the evolve app and it's going to be on there as well um it's called managing your energies right and there's there's four types of energy we have okay and maybe i won't go into all of that but there's something called spiritual energy which is energy that gives you purpose mm-hmm. so if you're if you're doing something that you you're truly passionate about even if you've had like a really tiring week, it's going to automatically drive you Um, for most, you know, working moms or housewives that spiritual energy is what actually drives them to get up every day in the morning, you know, make food for, make food for everyone in the house, go to work, come back, literally survive on, you know, maybe five or six hours of sleep um, for a long period of time. So yes, there was some, some amount of spiritual energy and purpose with, you know, great awesome. So that kept me going and, what gave me that was these really amazing success stories. So, you know, from early on in the workshop, that first workshop we did, um, there was someone I know his, you know, his name, his, his name is Sakendra. And when we were doing that Ikigai module, he actually, his Ikigai was about creating a global volunteering platform. Um, this was in the workshop. Okay. And fast forward to now, this guy is on Forbes 30 under 30, having created a, um, a global volunteering platform called Chizuba. Wow. Uh, okay. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's pretty freaky. And um, so something like that, or one of my favorite stories is, is a guy called Mahesh. So Mahesh is, you know, in his, in his mid forties, father of three at a, he's VP at a, at a tech firm and this guy's never paused and reflected ever. Right. It's like, he's grown up in the rat race. You meet him, you'll know him. And with a two day workshop we did, we actually, so we don't focus on big transformational change. It's about small habits being happy, you know being more present in the moment, being more balanced. But he decided that every week from then he would he would spend Sundays with his daughters, no matter what happened, and he gave up sweets, and he also decided to climb the stairs instead sort of take the lift, both at his home and at okay. office. Okay. And I met him about eight months later with, with, his, with his team as well. Mm. and still, till that day he had not broken those habits.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and what tended to happen was, again, you know, this was a mix of things like a wheel of life and other thinking, but these, something small, like say, not give, just giving up sweets or taking the stairs. What that tends to do is, you know, when you're lethargic in the afternoon, instead of taking the lift, you're taking the stairs, you're putting in a bit of endorphins in your body. You're feeling a bit more alive and active. Your energy levels are going up. Yeah. So when you actually leave work that day, or if you don't eat sugar, um, you know, when you leave work that day, you have a bit more energy at home, mm. right? You're more energetic at home. You're spending more time with your family. You're able to have better conversations. It's it's boosting you emotionally. So you come into work the next day, you're happier, and it becomes like this amazing cycle. Um, and it's amazing. How, so those are the kind of stories that were like, you know, what I may not be making enough money here, but I'm learning something, and I'm actually contributing to people's lives. And, and that kept me going. And of course, you know, now now I'm working full time on it. So now there's a whole business model and looking to scale up and everything but yeah but during that time this is this is the kind of stuff that kept me going
0: awesome man
1: let's let's get straight into it then talk to me about evolve so so with great to awesome we had done workshops for about five six hundred people and that's when i realized that you know what this is not sustainable it's not sustainable to do small stuff it's good for a side project um and i just put a target in my head being like you know what over the next Four to five years that five hundred needs to become one million if i'm if I'm in this so um, tech was obviously an important part to get in um, uh, there was a lot of rebranding that took place, a lot of re-strategizing. Uh, sorry and tech tech in what aspect um so to scale up to a million people there would have to be some amount of tech right so whether it's an app or or any sort of technology
0: to get uh, your learnings across to that many people
1: yeah n- n- not just learnings but So the way we do it is more about empowering people to think, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just giving them that framework and structure to actually reflect on their life. Okay. Um, So a lot of it is just that you're not. We're not like a you know Tony Robbins transformational stuff. Sure. It's all about you know, I think everyone has the answers within themselves. It's about giving them that time and space and structure to actually look within. Okay. Um, Yeah. So so with with evolve and evolve has actually been our. Uh, it's been a nine-month journey after we rebranded. Um, we looked at two things with Evolve. One is, you know, yes, we, we want people to eventually grow and um, you know, become better versions of themselves and sort of give them this structure and modules and everything. But we realized that you know, one of the reasons why workshops don't work or you, know, you go for like a, a one-day event and then you know, one month later, you're back to square yeah. one. Um, That's what most people experience is because once you get out of that environment, your state of mind is still, you know, uh, it's very susceptible to going back to its old ways. Um, And so with Evolve, what we've done is we've combined that grow element with something we call balance, right? So balance is about, you can only be your best if you, if you're balanced, right? So if you, if you think about a a footballer taking a free kick, Mm -hmm. right? Before, and you look at any of Ronaldo's videos, yeah. right? Before he takes that free kick, he's actually stopping. He's going through a, a routine. He's taking a few deep breaths. Yeah. He's actually visualizing that ball going into the goal. And then he's actually, you know, taking that free kick. So you, and that's a really good example of where, you know, he's achieving that success. But unless you're truly poised and balanced, mm. you're not going to be at your best, right? So if you have an important meeting coming up or an interview, you could have spent hours or days preparing for it. But before the interview, if, you are, you know, if you're nervous or you're stressed and you're not able to manage those emotions, then all that prep is useless. Yeah. If that makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so Evolve has two components. One is the emotional well-being aspect, which is called balance. So anytime you don't feel in balance, whether you can't sleep, whether you're stressed, whether you're angry, um, whether you just want to take a break and you know do some mindfulness, mm. Evolve is there for that. And then all these learnings that we've got from, you know, working with these people on the ground and developing these amazing learning modules, those are also there to help you grow. Wow.
0: Um,
1: so you've always really balanced plus grow.
0: Sweet, man. So this is, um, so you took Great to Awesome. You took the workshops that you were doing. Yeah. You've, packed, what, I don't want to say packaged or bundled it, but you've put that together for people to kind of access. <clears throat> yes. Through an app. Which you're building out, built out.
1: So yeah, m- most of it is built out. It's gonna go on the app store end of June. Oh, correct. Um, so that's 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 really exciting. Yeah. yeah. It's been a it's been an interesting journey. Um yeah, so we're we're really excited about that. And again, big ambitions, big plans for it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be free to download for people. And there's there's a bunch of you know, guided audios and um meditations to really help you balance yourself mm. uh like i said and then there's also these growth journeys yeah um and one of the things we believe in is that you know it can't just be done through pure tech so there's also a digital element where you can connect with people connect with life coaches who can actually help you digital
0: physical being physical, uh, and physical and digital yeah, yeah.
1: okay okay um, yeah I, I use all these words on a daily basis so. sure 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 um Half. yeah so those are that's that's evolve in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the other thing we're doing is you know it's all about making this process very light and refreshing for people. Yeah. Um, so you know after a long day when you're stressed, you don't want to open an app that feels intense and heavy. Mm. You want it to be very cheery and light, and it, it should be fun to do it. So yeah, a lot of our branding and our style is about making meditation and all of this, all of you know these personal growth elements very fun and refreshing.
0: And this is geared at millennials or at some so
1: it's it's geared at working millennials right so um yeah i mean if you think of the way work has the nature of work has now evolved over the last say five ten years it's a lot of people living away from homes in big cities um right so this in in india and um even if you even if you think of us in london but a lot of them are leading very isolated lifestyles, very work-centric lifestyles. Um, and humans have not evolved for this. Mm. So, you know, unfortunately, our, our biological evolution hasn't kept up with our, with our work evolution. So it's, it's, I mean, one of the things I, I love saying the most is 10,000 years ago when, you know, our ancestors would have been in the wild, our fight or flight response or our stress hormones would kick in when, say, you had a wild animal coming and roaring at you in the night. Today, if you actually have a fight with your coworker or, you know, you, you, you kind of don't get that validation on social media, those same hormones are kicking in. Um, so it's, it's very clear that you know where people are going to need stuff like this to calm them down because even, even having worked with people in our, in our workshops and all of that, one of the big pain points is no one's able to manage their stress. Um, so everyone's stressed, everyone faces anxiety and, you know, and all of us face it. Uh, it's part of being human. But there are certain emotions that, you know, when, when we're happy, for example, we're great. We can, we can process that happiness really well. We can use it to our advantage, you know, where, yeah, we're happy. But certain emotions like stress or anxiety or anger, in those moments, those emotions actually consume us, right? And we're less in control of them. So, yeah, how do you make, how do you help people be proactive in managing these things? How do you let them, you know, control, take control of their own lives and state of mind in those moments rather than letting your anger control you.
0: Um, So actually a few follow-up questions from there. Firstly, I guess just talking about the uh, high-level part of the companies, like how is it different from a Headspace or a Calm? Sure. So, a
1: couple of big things, Um, yeah, I mean, I think think Headspace and Calm are both incredible apps and I've used Headspace premium in the past as well. so one of the things is right now there's no good indian competitor to these apps right and in the long run as the indian market grows there's always space for competition um but we're different in two main ways so one is that you know headspace is very one way um so it's it's all about just listening whereas evolve is a mix of listening and also doing so so like i said things like modules things like helping you actually um, journal, do things like you know, your icky guy. Headspace will not do that at this point. Yeah. Um the second big difference is that this also becomes a platform for life coaches. Right. So headspace and calm, the whole thing is okay, I'm I'm calm right now, or I'm I'm feeling you know balanced after a meditation exercise. What next? People want to grow, people want to invest in themselves, with some more than just you know balancing. So um yeah, evolve sort of marries those two. Um, and it's very contextualized to the Indian working millennials. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of our audios are not generic meditations. It's actually things like, you know, how do you sleep after a Netflix binge? Um, or how do you calm yourself down before an important meeting? Right. Or when you're on the local train every day going to work, how do you actually practice some mindfulness that is very contextualized to your local train experience? Sure. Um, yeah. So these are some of the ways in which we're different. And of course, I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're in the same category as these guys. Uh, but this is now a long term game. And, you know, we're pretty sure that um, it's, it's not about like, you know, a zero sum game. Everyone's going to grow. The, the market's going to grow. And something I really believe and one of the reasons I've, I've kind of started this venture now full time and, you know, put, put a lot of money into it as well is um, the way physical health has taken off in the last 10 to 15 years yeah um and if you think about it about 15 years back if people actually told us that you know x percent of the population would have a personal trainer and we would all be investing in dietitians and you know changing our health and lifestyle habits to ensure better physical health yeah um it would probably be quite far fetched but yet you look at today where almost everyone in our in our demographic has a gym subscription um you know has made some investments towards their their physical health Um, and I think the next 15 years are really going to be that uh, with the emotional health
0: I totally Uh, agree
1: emotional and mental health yeah
0: yeah Um, though how do you deal with this like skepticism which we face right now
1: yeah so that is a good point you know till today it's it's very hard to make people vulnerable and um, you know get them to actually embrace their own not shortcomings, but you know um, things that maybe are not going so well, right? So when when someone has a bad day, for example, mm-hmm. the f- they or you know you're you're anxious or stressed about something. The immediate reaction is to suppress that. Um, yeah. And to get people to open up open up about it involves firstly making them vulnerable and all of that, which which is going to take some time. But if you look at some of the trends for me that are really positive is that um, at least you know in In my circles of people around me, um, I've heard the word therapist come up a lot more. People suddenly in the last two years are so much more open about, you know, accepting that they need therapy or they're going to a therapist Mm. Um, or the fact that, yeah, you know, it's, um, how do I put this with, with some, so apps like Headspace also Mm. and Calm and all these other apps have got over a million downloads or actually over 2 million downloads in the category in India right so it's, in it's india a very alone. in india alone yeah so it's a very clear indication that slowly this market is ramping up um and the other interesting data point is life coaches because um so with evolve you know when we're not targeting people with chronic anxiety or or depression mm. and when i'm talking depression it's more you know medical depression or clinical depression mm. it's because technology cannot cannot help you at that stage mm. right the last thing you want is is an app you need to be in person talking to people and you probably need a really good therapist at that point. But for the everyday working person to just manage themselves better, to feel more balanced so that, you know, all of us are susceptible to highs and lows in life. Yeah, um, And if we don't proactively manage ourselves, it's easy to slip into a low. I'm, you know, I'm sure you've had lows, I've had lows. Mm. Um, and we've experienced these moments. But how do you proactively deal with yourself so that, you know, you don't so just like you brush your teeth every day, mm-hmm. it's always about good mental hygiene, right? So that you are at the end of every day or throughout the day, you're staying recharged. Any time you feel yourself slipping or your emotions getting in your way, yeah, you come to evolve and you just balance and recharge yourself. Um, yes. So I, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. One more yeah. thing on this. So coming back to what you were saying on the you know how this will grow. Um, one of the things I believe is that. Once you start penetrating certain circles, so imagine you know clusters of five friends, mm-hmm. um, and say the society is made up of multiple clusters of these five-five friends. Yeah. The moment within each of those circles of five, one starts talking about, say, you know, opening up about their own emotional struggles or or mental health or things like that. Slowly, that will start catalyzing the process. Sure. Um, and I, I I and I think India is now at the point where, you know. We are seeing that that slowly start to happen in some circles. So I think it's a matter of of time. And like I said, I mean, I'm giving this like a 10 year horizon. Fair, um, fair. I think there's a huge thing here. I mean, I find
0: it quite. I personally find it easy to agree with you because, like, I mean, this is something that I've seen has made a very positive impact in my life. Right, with these kind of practices, with these kind of thought processes. With Are there any
1: practices you'd like to share that you practice?
0: Uh, not particularly, to be honest. There's there's not specific ones, but I've, I've felt the positive um, effects of meditation. I mean, I went for Vipassana for a 10-day retreat over there, and mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. completely changed my wiring. Another thing that's helped is, um, which I didn't realize I was doing, which actually is a is a trick is reframing a situation mm. so that actually helps in terms of when you feel like there's a lot of shit going on in your life and then you kind of reframe it in and put it in a situation thinking that what else could it be like and an example I love that, that yeah. yeah one of the examples that i came across was like i think someone's plumbing being broken in their house and this was sam harris or someone Who's like water was flowing from the ceiling and he said I could feel myself seething with anger and then at that moment his wife told him aren't you grateful that that's just clean water and not like anything else that it could be at that stage and then you feel yourself completely change the situation Uh, I felt that with situations with people in my life I felt that with situations at work um and it's it's a thing that i didn't realize i was doing but that really helps
1: yeah so this is actually growth mindset 101 where you you reframe challenges as opportunities but but again the you know it's easy for us to talk about this when we're both not in a challenging situation and it's it's so hard to actually put into practice so actually
0: Um, yeah i mean this is this is where i was coming from is it's easy for me to agree with you but there are there is a huge and this is a point of vipassana as well is there is a distinction or a massive difference between intellectually knowing something and experientially knowing something yes so i speak to my sister about this a lot and she's very receptive to these things like these Mm -hmm. concepts and she'll even make the effort of you know trying to journal or trying to meditate sure but there might be two things blocking people is one saying that oh that's in theory a good thing to do like everyone says oh meditation i wish i could meditate i can't meditate mm-hmm. and i know that it would be good for me but uh, it's not for me or like you know it's not going to work straight off the bat
1: yeah so i, I completely agree i think there you, you've you hit the nail on the head you know intellectually knowing something versus actually doing it in situations So even your previous example where you know sam harris is talking about it on a podcast it's easy in retrospect to be like okay i should have reframed this situation mm. Yeah. So, so recently I was, I was in uh, Varanasi for a, for a breathing work. It was a session over three or four days. Mm. It's called Kriya yoga. Um, and one of the things, you know, when, when the guy was talking about enlightenment and, you know, meditation and pranayama and seeing those effects for yourself, um, there was a really good analogy saying that, you know, if say one of your friends gets drunk, drunk or high, um, just by hearing his or her experience, you're not going to get high. Right. Um, no matter how, how many people you see around you who are high and you know, how they're, you're, how they feel.
0: Yeah. You're, Unde- you're not going to get high and you, you're you not going to know what that feels like. Like you might, exactly. yeah.
1: You, you will never get that first person experience. Yeah. right. And that first person experience is never intellectual. Feeling is always not with the neocortex. So the neocortex is the part of the brain that is intellectual and rational, rationally processes things. Mm. Because when you actually feel something, it's with a different part of your brain and you know it's a limbic brain and a lot of your body. Yeah. Um so yeah, unless you actually, you know, experience something, you will, it's very hard to dismiss it. Um if someone tells you their experience, typically it's your rational brain working. So if you tell someone about your Vipassana experience, mm. their rational brain is immediately kicking in, being like, oh my God, I'm you know without speaking for 10 days how am I going to do it this is not for me yeah but it's very different when you actually experience it
0: yeah and so that's that's the one that's the first roadblock that I feel comes up when when we talk about this kind of stuff is the difference between an intellectually knowing something and experientially knowing something mm-hmm. and the second um second roadblock is just people automatically feeling like you know it's quite woo woo to start off with mm. um and like I don't, I don't have time for this shit. Almost, you know.
1: Yeah. So, so what, what, what one of one of the misconceptions there is that meditation is always about you know just closing your eyes and sitting in a corner. Yeah. And having, again, having done meditation now for you know over a year, um, and having experienced benefits and stuff like that, it's it's not about closing your eyes. You know, meditation and mindfulness is about it's a certain state of mind, and that can actually be achieved anywhere. Um, you know, it's all about just engaging yourself in the present moment so that your brain gets some rest. Yeah. That part of your brain that's on overdrive, just, just calms down and you can achieve that anywhere. Yes. You know, closing your eyes, focusing on your breath is one way to do it. Vipassana Vipassana meditation is one way to do it, Mm. but there's a million ways in which you can reach that same state of mind. So one of the quotes that really inspired me when I, when I quit shell and kind of moved into this slightly more unknown life was um, the privilege of a lifetime is to discover who you truly are. Um, that is something that has stuck with me in a big way. Um, the other thing i've I've realized, and again, this is my belief mm. is that, you know it's about, um and again, I, I say this in a position of privilege. You and me and a lot of people on the podcast, you know listening to this will will be people who maybe don't have to struggle to, you know, sleep at night or go on an empty stomach. Um And I'm saying it from that position where I think, you know, finding or doing work that is meaningful to you is important. And I think in the long run, success and money will always follow. But I now see my career as being a chance to actually solve some real world problems. Um, so for me, it's no longer about where I work or my job title or even something like my salary. It's more about who I'm surrounded with and what problems I'm solving. Um, and so for the next... At least five years, I've committed myself to solving this problem of people just not being able to manage their emotions because I, you know, I think that's a huge problem. Or people not having that space and structure to introspect. And yeah, so there's there's different ways in which you can do it. And I, I think again, like I said, for the we're targeting the you know the working millennials in India. Um, ironically, you know, practices like meditation and all are are Indian and all yeah. of that, but. Um, yeah, I think somewhere we've got distance from it. I I personally don't enjoy the closing my eyes and meditating part of it, but I I like the other ways to to actually achieve mindfulness. Yeah. There's a word, I mean, self-awareness is is a bit of a buzzword, Mm. Um, but let's look at maybe two or three aspects of self-awareness. So the first one is, what are your core values, right? Um, What are your core values and what's important to you? So something you can do for this is, like we talked about earlier, you know, where you you look back at your, say the last one year or two years, look back at moments that actually made you proud or, you know, maybe the moments that actually, when you look back being like, okay, that's, I was actually truly myself in that moment. Mm. Um, and those are good starting points to actually start looking at your core values. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you have, you have values like respect and integrity and things like that, but What do you truly care about? Um, So one of the ways to do this is, you know, you look back or the other way to do it is, I mean, if you give yourself, say, a period of seven or 10 days and every day you just journal, right? Being like, what's what's made me happy today or something like that. And the more you journal, when you actually look back, you can start seeing trends, right? So journaling is powerful because a lot of times there's thoughts in our head that are just so cluttered all over the place. And journaling helps you actually put that down in a very structured way. Um, so a lot of times you'll see insights that you otherwise won't get when it's just you know clogged up in your in your mind. Hmm. Um, so maybe journal for say five, six or seven days, and and you'll start seeing patterns in terms of what actually matters to you. And this is like um, free
0: flow journaling also. No, yeah, you can, no you
1: can do, do do free flow journaling. Yeah, exactly.
0: No aim, no goal, like no whatever. Time. And you know this is something that uh, I've I've tried, and I felt like you know it's uniquely my own flaw is at one point when I wrote down something on a piece of paper or within a journal, it was so many thoughts mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, dude, I must be schizophrenic. The fact that I have so many different thoughts happening at the same time, uh, relating to so many different things and speaking to a couple of people, <laughs> I realized that other people have the
1: same. thing. Yeah, exactly. So especially the first, the first few times you journal or, um, I mean, there are some days when you'll, when you'll go to journal and you'll maybe write two sentences because. That that's a very good indication that you know you're you you're actually managing yourself well. Whereas, mm. the days when you have doubts or things are not going so well, yeah, journaling could be um, a half an hour task. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for something like you know finding your values, maybe try and structure your thoughts. Also, free flow journaling can work. But you know things like what's what's actually made me happy today? What what am I looking forward to tomorrow? Mm. Um, you know what what am I excited about? Um, in the coming year or you know things like that because those are very good indicators of um, yeah kind of circling in or narrowing in on those core beliefs or values so it's it's very important to to know what those are for you it's unique it's you know there's no right or wrong with these things but it's about knowing what it is for you Um, the second thing is having a very clear idea of what you are what you're good at and what you're not so good at Right, and and the reason I'm saying that is because for things like your, you know, when when we're taking the same example earlier of someone looking to quit their job and start something, the skill sets that are required for for that is very different to the skill sets on a job, right? So things like mm. decision making, actually managing your highs and lows, um, finding people who mm. can who can support you, uh, having a conviction, having a vision those are important strengths that you're going to need and it's important to be true and honest to yourself on on what your strengths are um mm-hmm. right so and all of this is about mitigating the risk that could occur um when you actually take a decision so so something like strengths i mean there's you know the easiest thing to do is yes you can journal of course do a very similar thing but just just whatsapp or text or call a few of your friends or colleagues and just be like you know Hey, you know, I've, I've worked with you for a while now. What do you think I'm good at? Um, yeah. And and just getting that opinion and and knowing, you know, it's about having like a very clear lens on where you're good and where you're not. And these um, people need to be
0: someone who you trust and you know intimately because you yes. don't want to be hearing answers. Like people often tell you things that they think you want to hear rather than the truth.
1: <clears throat> Correct. That
0: so that, that's that, that, that,
1: that is a very important point. And The other thing with this is, you know, if you if you expand, you don't just talk to one or two people, you talk to maybe five or six people. And again, the idea is to start seeing some trends. And
0: not just colleagues, right? This can be family members. Exactly.
1: Family members, friends, close friends. Yeah. People who are who you can trust to be honest. Because
0: your strengths might be out of outside the context and probably likely outside the context of just your day-to-day job.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, then the third aspect of yeah, self-awareness is, is being very aware of your, your own thoughts and feelings, right? Mm-hmm. So something very simple for this is a process called the triple tap check-in. And this was, um, yeah, this was sort of done by um, someone we had worked with on a workshop. But essentially, you know, how you, when, you, when you go on a night out, right, you immediately tap your pockets three times for your, yeah. for your keys, your wallet, and your mobile. Yeah. Um, Right. So the same way at any point in the day, and this actually becomes more of a habit the longer you do it, your triple tap check in for your own self-awareness is what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I doing? Right. So nice. So you immediately become aware of the moment you pause and reflect. Right. What am I thinking right now? It forces you to actually, if there's five thoughts in your head, it forces you to crystallize it what am I feeling right now? Try and put an emotion to it, right? And I mean there's there's about thirty or more than thirty emotions. Mm-hmm. But even the more common ones, like joy, anger, frustration, irritability, stress, whatever those are try and put a name to it, right? And this is the first step then to actually becoming more self-aware, and then that leads to, of course, you know, how do you manage those emotions, which is which is, of course, the next step. Yeah. But yeah, the first part of this journey. For people, you know, who want to start introspecting or uh, discovering themselves a little more, these are exactly the things you need to you need to start with. That's
0: that's amazing. I've actually not come across the triple tap triple tap, tap check checking. check in before, that's so good. I'm I'm I mean, going to be using that. credit
1: credit where credit due. This is by a guy called Nicholas Himovich. He's he's based out of London, and he had uh, attended one of our workshops in in Bombay.
0: Oh, amazing! Uh, yeah. There's um, also the fact that you said there's 30 emotions, mm-hmm. 30 or so emotions. I definitely need to improve my emotional vocabulary because I don't think I can even, I don't think I know what I'm feeling at certain times. Like I don't have the words for it. I'm, it, it, it will always boil down to confusion or right. anxiety or so the simple, fact that I don't know what I'm feeling.
1: A simple thing is if you, if you Google the words emotion wheel, yeah. Um, you will you will get i mean it's a very common framework um it's used by psychologists and a lot of therapists and everyone um yeah you get there's about i i don't know i think it's eyeballing it it's over 40. damn um, okay but this is a good way then to yeah become more self-aware so yeah i feel like a cave person a, right a, now <laughs> a, 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 a lot of times we don't have the semantics so yeah one, one of the interesting things is you know just becoming, yeah, spending this time, becoming more aware of myself, understanding how my own body and mind function, all of those things. Um, one is we're not taught any of this in school or colleges, and I think, I mean, this is essential education, mm. which is why you now have emotional intelligence and stuff coming into schools and that curriculum. But yeah, a lot of times we can't, we can't express ourselves. You know, we know we're not feeling right, but we can't actually express ourselves because we don't have the right words and the semantics for it. Yeah. So Ikigai is a great example, right? Because exactly. Ikigai is such a beautiful and unique word, but there's no, there's no real translation for it in, in English. Yeah. that's and, awesome. and then if you look at like a language like Hindi, right, where it's even worse because there, there are no words actually for a lot of these emotions. Um, so, you know, if yeah. you're, if you're, if you're worried, there's, you know, there's like one word for stress. I think it's thras and then there's Chinta, but there's no, there's no separate words for things like, oh, I'm, I'm anxious or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling low, or, I'm feeling, you know, overwhelmed. There are no words for these things, or at least I'm not aware of it. But yeah. but that, that, that's one of the interesting things where I think, you know, now emotional intelligence is coming into schools, into, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of companies want to do it, which is why we've done a lot of workshops for them. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think semantics are going to increase, and it's it's a very fascinating thing when you start getting into it.
0: That's amazing, and I would encourage everyone who has taken the time to at least listen to this stage to just take time to try these things out because it's very low risk, and the rewards are potentially unlimited. To kind of how how you were saying mm-hmm. Anshul is like it's a privilege of a lifetime to find out who you truly are, and these things will at least. Like get you or put you once one step closer or maybe one foot on the path to asking those questions about yourself, correct, which is amazing,
1: yeah, and I, I like what you said. all of these are low risk, I mean nothing nothing here involves more than five minutes of your day,
0: exactly, um,
1: which is a very small investment, and the other thing is you yeah start start talking to a different set of people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so a lot of times what happens is that you know i mean that that whole saying that you are an average of the five people you surround yourself with, mm. um, right? And if you want to actually get out of your comfort zone and, and do complete something completely different, um, it's very important to slowly find that tribe who can actually help you. Um, a bit about mindfulness, you know, in case people are still confused or don't know what it is. It sounds like okay. a heavy word, but essentially it's about coming into the moment, right? And really experiencing the moment. So how do you experience a moment? A very simple thing is take a deep breath in right now, breathe out. And you focus on your breath. You're automatically more mindful than you were the moment before. And the more you engage all your senses, right? So so like we said earlier, where a lot of times it's this small part of our brain that is on overdrive. And because of that small part of our brain, either the amygdala or our neocortex, we just suffer. Right, So how do you shut that off for a while and come into your senses and mm-hmm. how you're feeling?
0: Can we go into a very simple breathing exercise that is easy to do right here, right now? Like you don't look stupid while doing it. No one even knows you're doing it. Um, but which can almost give you an immediate feedback as to how just taking a couple of breaths can make you feel sure. calmer. Um,
1: yeah, so let's do a technique called 478 breathing
0: you you set us up you laid way. all
1: right you don't have to okay yeah, you don't have to close your eyes um something you can do to initially start off is wherever you are just you know just feel comfortable in your chair try and feel the weight of your back um either your butt on your chair or you know the back against resting against the chair so that's always a good way to just bring some awareness and also just make sure your feet are firmly grounded you breathe in for four counts you breathe. You hold your breath for seven and then you breathe out for eight. We're gonna do this for four cycles. Now, when we do it, we're gonna follow counts like one, two, three, four.
0: Hmm.
1: What's important is not the actual speed of counting, it's hmm. more about the proportion. Okay. And again, this is not an exact science. So some people, you know, just get stressed. Oh my god, I'm holding for six and a half, not yeah. seven. Okay. Don't, don't get into all that. It's it's more of the, the overall direction. All right, so let's begin. When you feel settled, And when you're done, try and just stay in this moment, right? So notice maybe your heartbeat. Try and notice how you're feeling. Try and notice your chest, for example, right? Do you feel a lightness? Do you feel a heaviness? Do you feel anything in maybe your stomach, your legs? And just try and be aware of how your body is reacting to these four breaths.
0: Um. I feel like this has been so useful. I'm feeling a bit calmer as well. Um, just a couple of things before we close off. One is all this stuff that we learn naturally, like uh, we learn from other people. Not none of this is coming from ourselves. So, is there, if people have found this useful, um, how do they find out more about evolve mm-hmm. or great to awesome or like techniques that you? have found.
1: Yeah. So a lot of these techniques will be on the Evolve app, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, there's so many different breathing hacks. Um, and a lot about Evolve is hacking your own body actually. Yeah. Um, so if you think about it, we are nothing but a function of uh, of the hormones and you know we're just like a biochemical algorithm really. Um, and if you read Yu- Yuval Harari's you know and you'll relate to some of this and when you actually observe it and you become self, you know, more self-aware, the more it starts to make sense. I mean, you know, you can plan for doing XYZ on the weekend. Um, but the weekend comes and you know, if you're feeling low, you physically don't have the energy, all you want to do is curl up in your bed and maybe watch Netflix.
0: Yeah. Uh, before we close off, I'd like you, I've I've been doing this thing where I asked the guests to share a piece of art, which could be a song or uh, even actually, a painting that has influenced them, you rather, um, or is quite close to you, or anything of that sort that listeners can go sure. back and check out. Is there anything like that?
1: Yeah, so the, the one song that comes to mind is Vienna by Billy Joel. I don't know if you've heard it. It's, yeah, I love um, that song. Yeah, and, and the reason it's one of those, again, serendipitous moments, um, it's probably a good way to end this as well. So just before I was, you know, leaving London, I think it was one of my last weekends there and I had enough miles on BA to, uh, you know, British Airways to just book a ticket and go, just go for these weekend trips. And um, it was actually a Friday afternoon. It was about 12 o'clock. I just finished a work call um, and I was a bit frustrated. I was like, I need to just get away. So I actually looked at flights that were available and there was a flight to Vienna that had, you know, seats on miles available for, I think it was a five o'clock flight. So I immediately just booked it, packed my bags, went for a weekend. Um, and yeah, I couldn't help but think of that song, you know, Vienna. And um, it's such a it's such a nice song because you know, like we've talked about self-awareness and all of that, it's like we just get so caught up in the race or with life that we forget to just stop, just to pause and reflect. Um, and that's what the song is about. So it's it's such a nice song, it's about that, it's about, you know. Everyone has their own rhythm in life. Everyone has their own pace. Just find that, find that for yourself. Um, and yeah, it was. Vienna has now become one of those, you know, symbols in my life. As during that transition, uh, not only is there a really nice song on it, um, but it was actually a weekend where you know I could just stop and really admire the beauty of, you know, every small musician on the sidewalk or um, just the architecture. The and of course, I mean. You know, I backpacked, I had fun as well. But it was one of those things where you just you just slow down and enjoy life um, without worrying about what's ahead or what's to come, what happened. So yeah, for me, it's Vienna.
0: That was beautiful. And I, actually, I love Vienna. It's one of my favorite Billy Joel songs as well. Um, I'm glad. Thank you so much. This has been such a helpful and useful chat. Before we close off, is there anything that, you would like to touch upon that we might have missed? Any kind of message that you want to give listeners anything of the sort?
1: No, I, I, I don't want to bore people anymore. So, uh, okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah, this is, this is a good place to wrap up. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to have done this and thank you for calling me on this podcast.
0: Man, anytime. There you go. I hope you found that useful. As Anshul said, everything we touched on in terms of prompts and exercises will be on the Evolve app, which is due to hit the app store at the end of June. And to find out more, you can visit his website, evolveinc.in. That's E-V-O-L-V-E-I-N-C dot I-N. Before closing off, I do have an announcement. In addition to these podcast episodes, I've been publishing a short newsletter, which comes out on alternate Sundays. In those, I include a brief recap of the previous episode and a sneak peek to the upcoming one. I also include some links to stuff I've been listening to, reading, or thinking about. It's a nice way to keep up with all that's been happening. If you'd like to receive that, just drop me a message on WhatsApp or Instagram, and I'll send you a sign-up link. Again, thank you for listening. Please do write in with your feedback. I will be back in two weeks. Mm with another guest on another episode of A Little Life.